Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, well, you know this is the best place because this is where the best run. Yes, I sound a little little uh, scratchy today, but that's the way the weather is here, so bear with me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's see what our buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from a gentleman named Joseph Byram, B-Y-R-U-M. He's a chief data scientist at a company called Principal Financial Group. I found this quote online in analyticsmagazine.org. Let me read it. It will set us up for for our topic. Augmenting human decision-making at the enterprise level will bring us to the next level in growth. Okay, that's the quote. Let's unpack that a little bit. Well, we've got that wonderful H word in there, human decision-making and enterprise level. Those of you in our business audience, by the way, thank you for your loyalty. We have built up a very loyal following over the years. So many of you around the world seem to enjoy the information we're bringing you, the personalities we bring you, and the real people who share their insights and their thoughts leadership. So thank you. So we're talking about how could you make better decisions as human beings in your enterprise. That's what it comes down to. Let's talk about what the landscape is in business today. Companies are exploring how to cope with change. Change, change, change. It's coming at you in volumes and velocity we've never seen before. Where is it coming from? Well, you know the answer. We've got political turmoil. No comment there. Climate change. No comment there. Market and supply chain globalization. That is a reality even for small companies today, the rise and fall of economies, uh uh-huh, and what's happening? We're seeing a perfect storm of business disruption, and the key word here is disruption. It's not the same way it was even a couple of years ago. So, we've heard the term intelligent enterprise. Maybe you think that will solve all your problems. So, how do you get to be an intelligent enterprise? Well, you've also heard about disruptive technologies. We talk about them all the time here on Game Changers Radio. Machine learning, blockchain, Internet of Things. If you embrace, adapt, get to know, get to use, embrace the use cases and make your own for these new technologies, will you become intelligent enough to solve all of these challenges? We have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure that out. So welcome, and let me tell you who my special guests are today. First up in a moment, we'll be hearing from Chris Beiswanger. He's been on the show before. He's a principal and the U.S. SAP leader at PWC. That's Price Waterhouse Coopers LLC, LLP I have here. We'll talk about that. Welcoming back Scott Feldman, who is in his new career as a technology evangelist and community builder. I can't wait to find out from Scott exactly what communities he's building. I think he's starting with us today. And a newcomer to the show, Shami Sohal, S-O-H-A-L, director of enablement for SAP Intelligent Enterprise Solutions for Partners. Welcome, Shami. So let's go around the table to Chris Beiswanger at PwC. Chris has sent me a quote from Thomas Carlyle, uh, 1795 to 1881, Scottish philosopher, philosopher, satirical writer, essayist, translator, historian, mathematician, and teacher. Chris, I love the way people's bios get written on Wikipedia these days, people who haven't been with us in in hundreds of years, and they apparently were Renaissance people. They did absolutely everything. So let me read the quote here. Permanence, perseverance, and persistence, in spite of all obstacles, discouragements, and impossibilities, it is this that in all things distinguishes the strong soul 
from the week. Chris, welcome back. How have you been? I've been great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, delighted to have you. I love the quote. I don't think I'm familiar with Thomas Carlyle. This sounds to me like a words of wisdom you could teach people, like you could teach your children. So how did you find the quote and how does it relate to our topic today, which is officially do intelligent technologies make the intelligent enterprise? Chris? Well, I think a lot of it comes down in life to character and determination, probably more so even than um, your aptitude. And frankly, when we talk about intelligent enterprise, we can talk about how AI will lift um, you know, the average human being to make better decisions than they're making today. But I think the particular relevance to the show is that's what it's going to take for corporations out there and for individuals out there to adopt these new technologies. It doesn't, uh, it's not a flip of a switch, turn of a key, and suddenly we've got uh, AI all around us making great decisions. It's really perseverance and uh, a lot of hard work that will help us get there. Very interesting. Do you think the companies today, Chris, have the stamina to do that? And I, I appreciate the reality check you just gave us. How hard is it for companies that have been around a while to know that, well, we're going to hire a bunch of young data scientists. They're going to go turn a couple things, give us a couple dashboards. Before we know it, we'll have all the new technologies and bingo, we'll be back in business forever. How hard is it for them to have that reality check you just gave us? I think it's very difficult. You know, we do mm-hmm. a CEO, PwC does a CEO survey each year. This is our 22nd year. In this year's survey, 55% of CEOs said they cannot innovate effectively due to the availability of key skills within their organization. So if you don't have the right people to drive this and be successful with it, you're going to be pretty inhibited to achieving some of those goals. Interesting. You know, we, we're not going to quote the statistics, but I know there are lists published every year about companies that used to be on the NASDAQ or used to be on the Dow that have disappeared, right? Companies that were brand names. And that those are the ones who don't apparently have that perseverance or perspective or persistence. And permanence is the missing P there. Chris, welcome back. Delighted to have you back. Now let me move around the table to Scott Feldman with a new title. And Scott has sent us a wonderful quote, four words that pack a pie. From Andy Grove. Andy Grove, Andrew Stephen Grove, uh, 1936 to 2016, was a Hungarian born American businessman, engineer, author, and pioneer in the semiconductor industry, and we all know him from Intel. Here is the quote Four words, listen up, don't miss them. Only the paranoid survive. Scott Feldman, welcome back. How are you? I'm wonderful, Bonnie and, and team, and thank you for having me back. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Delighted to have you. We'll talk about your new title later. But in the meantime, tell me, how did you pick this Andy Grove quote? Does it dovetail very nicely with the, the longer Thomas Carlyle words of wisdom we had from Chris? <laughs> it, it does. And actually, it matches really well into the last couple of comments that you made in terms of companies that are not existing anymore in the NASDAQ that used to be around. And uh, with, with Andy, what the story I, I really love is that Intel became one of the world's largest chip makers, right? And then they had one of the most admired companies in advanced technologies. When he wrote this book, and I read it a while ago, he talked about his strategy for mm-hmm. measuring a, a, a key moment. You know, it was a nightmarish moment, which every company leader uh, it fears when you have massive change and the companies have to almost overnight adapt or fall. In other words, survive, right? or in a new way. Mm-hmm. And he, he mentioned something called the strategic inflection point, 
which could be anything. It could be it could be disintermediation. It could be the the gig economy, you know, that we talked about, right? That we're, we're everyone's just doing these gig jobs now, and things are changing strategically. And organizations that had core competencies in one area mm-hmm. feel that they they're not actually able to do the, the type of work that they need to do anymore. When that inflection point hits, sometimes the ordinary rules of business that you're normally operating under, they get tossed out the window. (laughs) So that's gone. But if you manage it right, it could be an opportunity to win in the marketplace and then come out stronger than ever. So that's what Intel actually learned back in the day, and it it takes its heart right now because we're seeing this happen so rapidly in 2019 and and beyond, and and companies really need to understand what they're doing. Always look behind you. Keep keep, keep both eyes on the road, but keep looking back. keep, Keep looking back. Just glance. I don't say you should look in the rearview mirror all the time, but just look, look and see what's coming, what's, what's happening. Yes, very, very well put. This reminds me, Scott, forgive me, of an old rock and roll song, Seven Little Girls Sitting in the Backseat Kissing and Hugging with Fred. Do you remember that? I don't know if you're old enough to remember that. And they just say, I don't want to disclose that. <laughs> keep, your, keep your eyes on the you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel, keep your goofy eyes on the road ahead. That was, the, those were the, I think they were thinking about this, not in a business sense. Thank you. I'm sorry. Some of these, these songs just come back to haunt me, literally. Scott, welcome so back. Delighted to have you. Thank you so much. And we will talk more in a few minutes. Now let's go to our newcomer on the panel, Shami Sohal at SAP. And Shami has sent us a beautiful quote, quite beautiful. Uh, I had to research this one, Shami. You know it's been said that Helen Keller said it, but I dug a little deeper and found out that apparently it is originally credited to Saadi, S-A-D-I, a Persian poet. Uh, Let's see. He was a major Persian poet and prose writer of the medieval period, recognized for the quality of his writings and the depth of his social and moral thoughts. There we go. And here, his nickname was the Master of Speech or the Master among Persian scholars. Here's the quote. Everybody listen up and don't cry. The quote is, I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Shami, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good, Bonnie. Thank you and team. I'm glad to be on the show today. Glad to have you. Tell me about this interesting quote and how does it relate to our topic today? Yeah, so interestingly enough, you pointed out Helen Keller. And, um, you know, Helen Keller was somebody that I was introduced to uh, at an early age uh, from a librarian at my school. And, um, you know, I understood Helen Keller to be a person, uh, you know, about adversity, you know, dealing with uh, blindness and deafness, and uh, obviously being a humanitarian uh, not too long ago. And when I heard that and when I understood and absorbed that quote, it made me uh, think about how companies are operating today. Uh, Now, obviously, uh, not just, you know, the challenges that she had, but also in terms of the fact that, you know, she dealt uh, with certain struggles and uh, obviously operating a certain way. But I look at that and I think to myself that, you know, companies have become a little bit more stagnant in their processes and, and innovations. And, and, and there's always a chance to redeem yourself and move forward and not just really just throw on the towel, like when you think of Kodak or Blockbuster, but find ways to evolve, you know, modify your techniques, uh, obviously reinvent yourself and move along with the times. And that's why when I thought of that quote, I thought to myself, this is something that I've always kind of applied to myself personally, but I thought from an intelligent enterprise perspective, it relates really well. Thank you very much. It certainly does. And and what are your thoughts, Shami, about some of the questions I asked your co-panelists, Scott and Chris? Do do you think that companies are frightened by everything? I talked about the velocity and the volume of change, the need for disruptive technologies to deal with the disruption and get get that sense of permanence that was in one of the quotes somebody else said. Do you think there's a fear factor or is there an excitement factor? What do you observe? 
You know, there's, there's a combination of both. You know, if we look at the, the workforce today and uh, we look at the commitments that they make to the, uh, the individuals that are engaged um, and part of those teams, um, you know, technology, it's, um, you know, being a Gen Xer and seeing how much technology has influenced my life, but obviously with the millennials and how much it's part of their lives, um, there's almost a fear that it's, it's overtaking. And what it is is that there's individuals like myself, and I'm not going to date myself as well, um, but, but uh, we have uh, only so much time to really absorb and understand how it's relevant to what we do and how we can utilize it to move forward. And I think there's that fear factor from that aspect. Um, but from the other side of it, um, I, th- I think those that are embracing it are seeing how it could benefit what it is that they're trying to offer and how they're trying to move along and, and, and stay relevant uh, to what's necessary. Uh, so it's a combination of both, and it's really... Uh, dependent on the company culture and how they look at it and how they view it to the means of them evolving and moving. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you, Shami, and thanks for joining us. Chris Beiswanger at PwC, let's go around the table to you and check in and get to know you a little better. I have to tell everybody that Chris and Scott were on a similar topic, very similar, a couple of months ago, and I invited them back, and Shami is our newcomer on the panel because the third third part of the wheel couldn't join. The third leg of the stool wasn't available, so that's what our panel is today. Uh, Chris, three questions. You know, number one, where in the world are you today? We can deal with the hemisphere or a continent, if you don't want to get any more personal than that. What's your favorite drink that powers you to do what you do and be so smart about topics like this, which are very, very important for us to share on the, with our global audience? And number three, give us an update on your work at PwC. Yes, uh, thank you. So I'm in a client's office today outside of Chicago, Illinois, as I usually am during the week. Um, I've got a Diet Coke with me, which is my one indulgence, one a day, to kind of get some uh, clarity, get going, and, and focus on what's in front of me. And at PwC, we continue to help organizations transform through metrics, roles, behaviors, but of course, fundamentally underlined by great technologies. And um, that is something you asked about organizations being scared. I think they were. I think they've clearly moved to the point where they are excited by the prospects ahead of them. They might be scared about what the competition's doing, but I don't think they're uh, scared any longer about the technologies. Okay. Drink, drink, drink. What do you love to drink? Uh, Diet Coke, yes. Just Diet Coke? Tell me something. Do you drink it cold? Do you drink it warm? Do you drink it for breakfast? I need more. Cold, uh, one at lunch every day, and that's my one caffeine indulgence. I don't do any other caffeine. Ah, that's it. I want—I know you said it, but I wanted more information. Thank you very much. Okay, let's move on to Scott Feldman. Scott, we got to unpack your new title, Technology Evangelist and Community Builder. Also, tell me where you are, what you love to drink, and what are you doing these days? <laughs> okay, great. Well, I'm basically in the suburbs of Philadelphia right now today, so working at a beautiful, trying to get a little outside time, though, because it's absolutely gorgeous outside. It's about 72 degrees and no humidity, which is rare. So we've got about five days of that in Philadelphia a year, and this is one of them. So I want to make sure I have an opportunity to go out there. Oh, yeah. Um, what's, keeping me, what's keeping me going and what's fueling my energy is my cup of Japanese sencha. I love my green tea. I talked about that last time. It's uh, mm-hmm. good for you, high in antioxidants, and uh, I drink it not super hot. I let it cool down a little bit because I don't want to burn my throat. And, yes. Uh, and just enjoy myself with that. And my work update, I recently left SAP mm-hmm. after many, many years, and what I had done was I really became an expert at building councils and communities, so CIO 
if you go back and, and dial back the you know the notch a few years, you know we were looking at the CIOs. How did he become a CIO and change that title from an information officer to an innovation officer? So we had a program which was driving CIO thought leadership. Then we branched in and launched enterprise architect communities. I built MDMs, GRC, and analytics councils. And most recently, the past five to seven years, I was focused on the new technology from SAP, which was SAP HANA. And we started branching into the in-memory data platform from SAP. And then we started branching into communities and CIO thought leadership councils around that, which were mm-hmm. extremely successful. Went around the world to 27 meetings, 600 members, which was really phenomenal. Now, what's great is have an opportunity to work with organizations to help them understand the new technologies and the new thinking of where customers are, where are they going, and what is the next state-of-the-art adoption in terms of the new technologies that we're talking about here around blockchain, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Is this something that's going to augment what's there before? How do we overcome the fear factor of adoption? How do we get business and IT talking together in the same language mm-hmm. in the same room and, and things like this? So it's, it's quite striking and fascinating, and I can't wait to, to jump down to Sapphire in a couple of weeks and, and meet all my friends and, and talk about some of the new things that we're thinking about. Wonderful. Very excited for you, Scott Feldman. Thank you for joining me. I know this is a busy time for you. And now let's go to Shammy Sowell. We don't know much about you, Shammy. You're a newcomer to Game Changers Radio, so tell us where in the world you are, what you love to drink, and what do you do? Uh, yeah, first and foremost, I just wanted to say that it's a privilege and honor not just to be part of the show, but uh, most importantly, to be on a panel with uh, two recognized individuals like Chris and Scott. Very humbled uh, to gain their association today, and uh, I could definitely relate to both of them and their beverages of choice. Um, so my <laughs> beverage of choice today is uh, Roybus Tea, um, based out of Toronto, just in the uh, west portion of the city, and um, home office today. Uh, so the comfort of having a Roybus Tea right before me, and um, myself, uh, based on choices that I make with my life, I, I gave up caffeine about almost 15 years ago, which was a hard thing to do when I came from the investment banking uh, industry, but mm-hmm. uh, ultimately I got to a point where it wasn't uh, as relevant or needed, and uh, Roadless Tea um, takes me back to, um, I guess, my, my times in South Africa. That's uh, where I met my spouse and where I did some uh, some volunteer work uh, overseas there at one point in my life, and it's a decaffeinated uh, uh, tea, obviously, and um, for myself... And the latest diet that my my wife has me on right now, it uh, fits really well. And and being in the Great White North, as many people refer to Canada as, uh, it's a little bit cooler. I'm guessing we're compared to where Scott and Chris is, but um, warm enough for me to to get out there and hopefully um, hit the pavement and go for a jog after my workday is done. Um, But my my role right now, I'm currently working with SAP, and I've been with SAP for just over four years now uh, as a consultant. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just recently taking on um, a, a role uh, working within the Intelligent Enterprise Solutions team and hoping to um, educate our partners to make certain that they have a better understanding of how the whole IES story um, applies to them and what it means and empower them to take that to their customers and obviously get them on board with the whole SAP suite of products. So that's what I'm doing right now. Thank you very much. Very nice to have you on the panel. And those of you who don't know, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Been uh, producing and hosting the show since 2011. We have a global audience. We're very, very happy that people have been following this format for so many years. You seem to like what we're doing, and my goal is to bring you real people having real conversations about issues that are in front of businesses all over the world, regardless of how big or small your business is, regardless of your industry, whether you're a startup, somebody with a gleam in your eye, 
whether you're a mid-sized company, an SME, or whether you're a full, what I call the big behemoth enterprises, you can always learn from the thought leaders. And that's why I'm so glad to have my three panelists here. I'm in Durham, North Carolina, having walked away from Long Island or driven away a year and a half ago after three decades there. And I will tell you that I am not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are double header days for Game Changers. So this is the first show of the day here. And we woke up with about a 50 degree weather here, Fahrenheit, and it's going to dip up, tip up to almost 90 here. So it's hard to say whether we put the heat on at night or whether we put the air conditioning on first thing in the morning. This is almost summer here in the south, and it's just very interesting for me as a newcomer. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. The pause that refreshes and give my three esteemed panelists a chance to just take a sip of something. We are speaking today with Chris Beiswinger at PWC, Scott Feldman, formerly SAP and now a community builder, and Shami Soha at SAP. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You already know the drill. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com business news and discussions are always changing in order to stay ahead of the game sometimes you need to be a follower you can follow the voice america business channel on twitter at voice am business again that's at voice am business and stay current we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network wherever you go In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Absolutely. Hope you took your coffee break. And now we're back to a very important question. Do intelligent enterprises get intelligent by using, adopting, embracing intelligent technologies? Where does that intelligent come from in front of the word enterprise? We're finding out today with Chris Beiswanger at PwC, Scott Feldman, the community builder, and Shami Sohal at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Looking at the notes my guest sent me before the show, and here's where Chris is going to start the roundtable. He told me the following. 
Intelligent technologies are necessary but not sufficient. Intelligent enterprises require leadership, culture, the right operating model, clean governed data. Chris, I'm going to stop there and let you finish the rest of the story because this is really important for our listeners to know. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, great, Bonnie. So it also includes things like insightful metrics and empowered, enabled, and, and trained associates. And I think I want to start there because you know, it really comes down to fundamentally to people. Uh, you talk about older industries, industrial products, metal benders, and if you were to bring some of these emerging technologies, whether that's artificial intelligence or RPA or, or, or blockchain, they, they're not sure where to get started. In fact, Fundamentally, they need to transform their workforce. We've done some of this with our accountants, our tax professionals, and even some of our consultants where we have created a whole set of digital enablers that we've pulled out of our business, sent them through several weeks of training, and then re-injected them in with all sorts of expertise around certain technology products that, that meet those descriptors. So it's, it's absolutely about training and enabling our people so that you get something from the bottoms up but it also mm-hmm. starts from the top down with a vision and how to apply these technologies into the organization. What are the most critical capabilities that an organization has? What are the differentiating capabilities that help them in the marketplace? And then how do they extend their industry-leading uh, position with these technologies? So it very much has to be and typically is a business-led perspective, right? I think what we've seen very frequently, and it ebbs and flows over my 25-year career, but it ebbs and flows between the IT-driven, the CIO-driven, and the business-driven. And we're very much in a time of having business-driven innovation. And many of them know the problem that they're trying to solve, but they don't understand the technologies. And so enabling them, and frankly enabling not only the IS organization or IT organization, but enabling the business organization with some fundamental knowledge of visualization of data, RPA technologies, or, or artificial intelligence, they can then mm-hmm. translate that and apply it to the business problem that they're trying to solve. Thank you, Chris. Great reality check. I like to say that to my audience because it's, it's not easy, but it's worth the ride. It's worth the trip. Scott Feldman, let's get some input from you. Agree or disagree with what Chris just shared with us, please? I think I think... Chris, I think that's a fantastic uh, approach. We've been discussing this for many years with, in my in my role with the IT department, to try to understand how do they get these initiatives started. We mention all these technologies. We're always throwing these buzzwords out: blockchain, artificial intelligence, machine learning. You know, RPA, robotic process automation. That's what that is, right? So, what does this really mean? We throw these three-letter acronyms or two-letter acronyms. Now we're cutting back to two: <laughs> BC and AI and ML. <laughs> but what does that actually mean? I mean, unless a business has a use case, there's there's actually a, a wonderful use case that people could learn a lot from. You don't have to be in the fishing industry or in the package manufactured goods industry like this use case is, but it's public. It's an SAP client. It's called Bumblebee Seafoods, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll use them because it's, it's a public use case. Yes. This company is over 100 years old, and they do, as you know, canned seafood and also packaged, packaged seafood under a variety of different uh, names. They had decided that they wanted to uh, understand where the source was from when you get it in your store or your plate. How do you know that that tuna that you're eating is actually sourced sustainably and doesn't bring up dolphin, for example, because there was a lot of issues where the tuna catches were, were also cap- capturing through their netting and fishing uh, techno- you know, techniques. 
animals that you don't want to have. And this was really bad for the environment. And actually, it was really bad for PR as well. So the use case goes on and says that there was an implementation with SAP as well as the business of this organization where they were using blockchain technology to provide transparency in the supply chain from the pole and line mm-hmm. catch fishermen that are actually fishing for these these fish in the South Pacific all the way to the grocery in the U.S. And with food safety that you, you're all aware of, food safety and recalls and sustainability and, and, and putting confidence that the product is actually the product that you're buying. The industry has been has been targeted, for example, you know, by environmentalists, as I mentioned before. This is a, a way to demonstrate how technology could be used to essentially digitally stamp what you have and trace it all the way back so that you could actually look, when you're buying this, you can actually hold your phone up with an app and check a code on the packaging that will actually indicate the source of where that particular product that you're buying was fished. And this is really great for PR, and it's also great for, for the ability to lead with a, with a technology solution that is a leading edge, you know, two-letter acronym, technology solution, mm-hmm. BC, and drive that to value, to, to tremendous value for the organization. I, I think this is just as a, love, a lovely story, and it's, it's a great example of, of what other organizations can think about when you're really putting these these business and IT together in the same room and doing some analysis and trying to do some design around what is the art of the possible and how could I drive this with some new technology. Thank you, Scott. There's also a very human element in there with more and more people wanting to buy from companies that share their values. And this value, I think, would be transparency as well as safety, right? A company that's not afraid to say, this is the source of the food you're eating, and we want you to know the journey of that fish. Am I right on that, Scott? It's true, and it goes, and if I get a chance to speak a little bit later, there's some more examples where actually you want to understand the, authentic, the authenticity of the product you're buying. There's, yes. some, there's some issues with fraud around that and around other, other solution areas and other products and solutions. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But yes, Thank this you is for- absolutely true. Thank you for bringing that up. Let's go to Shami Sohal. Shami, love for you to talk about the topic we originally brought up with Chris and and or the wonderful use case, the delicious use case that Scott just shared with us. Shami? Yeah, you know, I agree with Scott. It's definitely a fantastic uh, statement that Chris put forward there. And, and I have to say, um, you know, I think Chris, you nailed it uh, right on the head. Um, you know, top-down and bottoms-up approach. I think it's so important nowadays for a company to be aligned um, in those different areas, especially as we introduce intelligent technologies and what that means to them as well, too. Obviously, having the right individuals, the right leadership, uh, is it's a must. Um, but the way I look at it as well, too, is, um, and I've seen this with the various companies that I've worked with, um, having the right brand ambassador. So when I say the right brand ambassadors, I mean those individuals within your company that are not only responsible in leading a group of individuals that are crucial to the success or the deployment of a model or a product that you're putting forward, but also buy into what it is that you're trying to do. Not just buy in, but also understand. And when we look at understanding it, it's all about the value proposition. You know, I've worked with companies before in the past where, um, great, they had a perfect solution. It was going to maybe not solve world peace or bring world peace, sorry, but allow them to get ahead of the game. Um, But when you took it down to uh, a level, uh, if you look at the sales team, the marketing team, um, the communications team, when they were not fully aware of how this product or that solution would relate to what it is that they do and how they can translate that to their clients, uh, there was a miss. So ultimately, you have to be able to speak to their their language, understand what the value is, not just 
to them, but also their customers, and um, enable them to be able to spread that message at the same time. Thank you very much. Scott, I, just, I have breaking news for you. I just received an email from a gentleman at SAP named Leon Romero, who is in Mexico. And we recently did a show on our retail Game Changing Retail Leaders series. And he is saying, I've been following the podcast and want to let you know the last episode on Getting Fresh, the last battlefield of groceries, resonated with me a lot regarding tracing the origin of the food we buy at the grocery stores with blockchain technology, given the recent news here in Mexico. And it's an article about Mexican fishing industry. He says, not long ago, a study revealed that a lot of the fish sold here in Mexico is being substituted. So you ask for certain fish species and you get something completely different. And he thanked us for talking about relevant topics on the radio. So there, Scott, <laughs> what do you think of that? Talk about timing. Wow. <laughs> is that, is that <laughs> wow? It just, just landed in my inbox. I'm going to tell him that I read his name on the air. I think he'll appreciate that. Chris, you started this topic. Anything you want to add to it before I move on to, uh, I think Scott really has a bunch of use cases and I'm almost inclined to let Scott pick one to share with us. But Chris, anything you want to add to all of these great insights from Scott and Shammy? I think it's just a brief comment, and, and you touched on it a little bit, the human side. But also, yeah. if you start innovation with what your customer most values, it typically will drive you to some new thinking, which will depend on some new technologies. So just that customer focus, be relentless about it, whether that's an internal customer or an external customer, that's the heart of all innovation. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you for, for echoing what I said. I think it's so important, and as the Leon's letter just noted, it's, it comes down to really about the people. Scott Feldman, you're up next. I'm looking at your notes here. You have sent me information on blockchain and supply chain and governments and real estate, and I know you want to focus on blockchain. Should I just open this up and let you share another use case with us? Scott, would you like to? Well, if you'd like to meet, I want to let the other panelists come in as well. But I think there's some really yeah. interesting. What, what I find fascinating about this technology is there's, there's ways to actually almost serialize what you have in terms of a, of a permanent stamp that's not going away. It's not, about, it's not only about coins. All the coins part of it, right? And it's not, not about distributed leisure or hyperledger, and that's, that's part of it as well. But what's fascinating me about this technology is its ability to to track and trace just about everything that gets mm-hmm. done from authentic, authentication of products. I had, I had an idea that uh, I came up with the other day around, uh, around jewelry, jewelry and precious stones and how do you authenticate that the actual stone is, is you know, produced, is mined and produced in a sustainable way, and how do you actually have an authentic certificate around that, you know, without somebody forging some kind of, there's a lot of forgery in that industry as well, so you don't understand, you know, what you're getting and might have a certificate associated with a particular item that you're buying. If you're buying a stone for somebody and it costs you $40,000 of U.S. dollars, you want to make sure it's authentic. And not only that, you want to make sure that you think. Yeah, and you also want to make sure that it's it's done in a sustainable way. For example, no, no quote, blood diamonds, as there was, mm-hmm. there was some, a lot of movies and press around that a, a number of years ago. So, Scott, let's, let's back related. this up a little bit. Let, let's back this up and go to the question of the, the key question today, do intelligent technologies make the intelligent enterprise? So let's back this up, if you don't mind, and talk about, let's take blockchain as the example, and let's take a look at companies I know are looking at use cases, in, and I've read a lot, I've, I was the voice of the 
the Digitalist at SAP for a while, summarizing articles. I actually summarized one about the bubble bee and blockchain, interestingly enough, a few weeks ago. But if a company says, oh, wow, I'm listening to radio and they're talking about blockchain and Scott Feldman sounds so knowledgeable and he says this is a good idea and Chris Beiswinger at PwC says, yes, it's customer-centric and Bonnie says, yes, we want to have the values that our customers have. Let's get on board the blockchain train. And then they look and they say, well, wait a minute, it's it's still kind of in its infancy, and it's a question of, remember Geico? Anybody in programming the way I was back in the day, garbage in, garbage out? If you don't put good information in, you're not going to get good information out. So, Scott, how do companies have that, uh, I'm not going to use the word chutzpah, but I just did, the foresight <laughs> to say, yes, the foresight to say, well, we hear that this is the next thing, and it will help us do better. How do we bridge that gap of curiosity, incredulity? How much do we need to spend on this? How many people do we need to put on this? How much of a learning curve do we need before we can say, yes, we raise our hands. We are using blockchain in our company. So can you just take us briefly through that, Scott? Yeah, well, well, I think what I'm seeing as well is, and Chris and Shami, feel free to... to yeah, I'll, I'll get them in. I'll get them in. Let's just get like, you to start yeah, first, what, then Shammy's next. Go ahead. Yeah, but here's what I'm here's what I'm seeing. Just because the new shiny toy comes out on the marketplace, in which case this could be blockchain, and and we were talking about a buzz around blockchain a couple of years ago in SAP days, and then and, and it's still being discussed. But what is the reality behind this technology, and how could it be adopted and utilized to provide value to the organization? And that's what needs to be discussed. So we're going back to fundamentals, which I've been dealing with for past 20 years, which is bringing, let's bring the business leaders and the technology leaders in the same room, and let's have a conversation around whether or not the existing business processes and whether or not the existing solutions can take the organization to where it needs to go in the future. So what is the five-year roadmap? Where does the organization want to be? What technologies exist that provide value that are in, in production today that can support the business? And what are some of the newer technologies that are coming down the pipe where we can figure out a, a mechanism for orchestrating those into new processes? This is just a great example. I just love blockchain. This is a really great example of one of the newer technologies. It's not for everybody. I don't think it's going to be able to run a, a large organization in, with, uh, in a traditional way uh, that you could run a general ledger for a typical, typical manufacturing organization. There are opportunities to drive hyperledger and distributed ledgers through blockchain, and those have specific use cases associated with them. But there needs to be adopted in an intelligent mechanism, an intelligent manner, and those use cases need to be identified. You know, the phishing example is a great example of how we wanted to provide stamping or track and traceability to a product to authenticate that that specific product that's being sold is authentic and comes from a sustainable source. That makes sense in that particular use case. There are a variety of other use cases that we could go through in terms of technology adoption, but in terms of, of, of where organizations need to go and what they need to do to drive value to their shareholders or if they're a private organization to increase the value of the organization itself, then the business and IT leaders absolutely need to sit down and understand how the new technologies can be driven and adopted to driving uh, new innovations within the organization. Thank you, Scott. Shami, join in, please. What do you think about this idea? How do you bring in these new disruptive technologies? What's the toll? What's the benefit on the other end? What's the process? 
Well, you know, ultimately, it's kind of like what I said um, earlier in terms of the vote value proposition. You know, there has to be an understanding of um, what the purpose is and how this is going to be beneficial, not just only to the end customers, but those that are actually using it as well. You know, when you think of uh, block, uh, blockchain itself, you know, it's, it's really the data that's going in, and obviously it's getting filtered and stored in a, in a certain format, and that will be processed when needed and required um, to deliver what that um, uh, coding or messaging is. And... You know, I've seen this at SAP specifically as well, too. You know, we, we do such an amazing job at positioning our products. You know, uh, every year, um, you know, we're, we're there and we're in line um, with the latest technologies and we're making certain that our partners and our customers ultimately understand that. Um, but one of the biggest uh, roadblocks that I see uh, is um, it, not everyone is quick to absorb uh, and understand how that, I can, that it could be implemented within what it is that they're doing. And, you know, it comes back to how you comprehend it and, uh, you know, the value that you Mm -hmm. see with what it's going to deliver and how it's going to make you more efficient and ultimately successful. Thank you, Shami. Chris Beisweger at PwC. Join us. Some interesting topics on the table here in terms of specific technologies. What's your point of view, please, Chris? I think it really begins with critical capabilities. So if you think about a power and utility company, you know, they have to provide electricity or gas to their customers. But the, one of the critical capabilities they have is to do it safely, right? If you look at events in California over the past year, you look even back almost 10 years now to the San Bruno gas line explosion, right? They have to provide their services in a safe manner. And blockchain can be a way to do that. If you think about every piece of pipe that goes in the ground being serialized, as Scott referred to, um, not only that, but then linking into external partners, people that do maintenance, people that do repair, and to make sure they're certified on a particular component to do that repair. Same concepts in the aircraft industry. Um, and, And then tracking and tracing repairs and spare parts and things like that that get added over an asset's life cycle. I think it starts really with those critical capabilities. But then I also think it goes beyond just the business in IT, and it goes to external partners. Whether you look at an ecosystem you know, that I just talked about in Power Utilities, or you look at an ecosystem across aircraft manufacturers, as well as the operators, and as well as the maintainers. There's a lot of news around um, the 737 MAX over the past few weeks. You know, you can begin to look at what that ecosystem is, and that's where a lot of the innovation lies. And this is going to be a hard challenge for organizations over the next five years, because getting collaboration amongst both suppliers as well as, mm-hmm. as customers, as well as kind of the operator in between, and in some cases competitors, is a tough challenge. The governance, the transparency, the security of data, the exchange of data, I think there's a lot of challenges to be addressed there, but that's where the promise lies. Thank you very much. That's what we're looking for is where the promise lies. Thank you for that tagline there. I like that, Chris. I'm going to move on to Shami Sohal's notes here. And Shami, talking about humans, uh, let's go into a slightly different area of this discussion about intelligent technologies, whether they make or break the intelligent enterprise. And I'm reading from your notes here the, the first section you sent me. Let me read a little bit, and then you can expand it. Then we have time to go around the, around the table. We'll ask Chris and Scott to chime in. You say implement intelligence in social media. There's one our listeners probably didn't expect on the show today. Intelligence in social media is necessary for companies and governments to not only stay connected to their consumers and target groups, but also understand what they can learn in order to grow and evolve. This is interesting. Uh, Shami, talk to us, please. 
Yeah, you know, social media, it's, it's been a big part of my life over the last few years, and I, and I see the influence that it has with how we work and uh, obviously how we influence one another as well. You know, and let's be honest, times have changed. It's, it's no longer for companies to just depend on, on NPS scores or customer service uh, surveys. You know, they're, they're customers, they're end customers, uh, they're speaking, and, and they, they want to be heard. It, you know, it's almost, it's imperative to understand the actions, you know, that a company displays and, and also, you know, how the masses comprehend that. You know, people want to feel connected, and, and it's their way of um, obviously making certain that um, millions of followers who are, are basically preaching in some way um, pick up on what it is that they're trying to uh, promote and, and obviously uh, buy into that product or solution. You know, so it's, it's really important for companies to get a sense of how they're trending, you know, put measures around the social influence, um, you know, in understand who their brand ambassadors are. We see, we see a big part of that, uh, whether it's on Instagram or whether it's um, on Facebook, uh, whatever your social channels may be, the, there's brand ambassadors out there who are not part of your company but are happily able to endorse what it is that you offer um, as well as how it's relevant to their lifestyle and how it might be applicable to someone else. And, you know, when I look at intelligence within social media, it's very important for companies to get on board with this, to, to understand not just the product that they make and ultimately how it's going to impact the customers in the end, but how it's communicated out, um, how it's relevant to those that are promoting it on their behalf, and how their customers are absorbing it, and then what their customers are saying. You know, um, a lot of customers want to feel heard. They want to know that what they say is important, and they want to make certain that the, that the companies are listening. And, you know, gone are the days of just submitting customer service, um, you know, requests or uh, filling out a, a little feedback survey. It, it's more about, I want to be heard, and I, not, I just don't want you to hear me. I want everyone else to hear what it is that mm-hmm. I'm going through or how I positively am impacted by a product uh, or negatively in some ways. Thank you. Great insights there. I was looking for that human side. Chris, join us. Thoughts on this? We have a few more minutes till we go into our predictions round. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know so much is being driven out of social media, good and bad, right? We've certainly uh, read and listened to it in the election cycle and our politics, which we'll stay away from. But um, certainly that needs to be an element of, of organizations' customer interactions. Uh, I think, you know, what more could they do, though? Because not just listening to the complaints and addressing those in the marketplace and leveraging brand ambassadors, but is there innovation out there as well that say, I'm frustrated with part of a product because of X, Y, or Z? Does that lead to the next rev of products? And I don't think we've quite, got, quite gotten that far with regards to social media, but I think the promise is, is there as well. There's lots of opportunity out there. Thank you very much. Scott Feldman, we have time for you to chime in on this. What do you think about staying in touch with your constituencies, your prospects, your audiences, your influencers? What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a spot on. It's really important. There's an entire area in terms of X management, right, the customer experience, which I think that uh, some organizations are investing heavily in right now these days. Uh, which is good because if if you have a lot of uh, experience in working with customers and trying to get feedback, for example, for solutions and features and, and how to improve this particular product or solution or service that you have from the customers directly, then the old-fashioned way you would ask them or you would survey them and then you would do that mm-hmm. and maybe send them a survey or have somebody call out to them and get some feedback and compile that data. Today it could be done real-time instantly. And, and that could be done in a variety of different processes. It doesn't have to wait until the product is mature. It could be done at different cycles of the development cycle of the product itself. So that has an impact on how solutions are actually being designed. Um, there's some IP rights around there which need to be protected, of course, but if you're clever, you can, if you're an organization, you want to get that type of feedback, you can actually gather 
real good information in a real-time manner using social tools and technologies that we have available to us today. There are also other organizations, for example, the let's say the electric car manufacturing industry, then some of the brand names that, that you all know about. Um, some companies that are taking leadership positions, and many of you know this, are not deploying um, you know, traditional dealerships or selling techniques that were done in the old way, you know, back in the last century, for example. Why? Because it's all being done socially. So, for example, I have on my list to try to acquire one of these vehicles, and it was sold to me by a friend of mine who's basically said, oh, go check this out, and I read social posts and said, here you mm-hmm. go. So, you know, this is actually changing the way that organizations are approaching their business. So it's a, it's a, it's a fundamental business process change that's occurring within organizations, and the impact is, is tremendous. Thank you very much. Great topic to bring up, Shami. I was going to introduce one more topic. We're technically in the crystal ball, but Chris, I want you to just spend 60 seconds, if you can, before your prediction on the following. You say, according to PwC's 2019 CEO survey, survey, 80%, 85% of CEOs believe artificial intelligence will significantly change the way they do business in the next five years. I think this is a great way to cap off our discussion today, but I do want you to do 60 seconds on this and then 60 seconds on your crystal ball prediction, you can jump off from this statistic if you want. Go ahead. That's an amazing statistic when you think that only one in 10 have implemented AI on a a relatively wide basis. So that means that there's going to be a tremendous amount of adoption over the next five years in order to achieve that that level. Um, I think it fundamentally comes down to how do we create a, a cobot experience, right? So that it's not mm. just about AI running away and, and, and making decisions that humans would otherwise make, but it's how do, how do we use AI to enhance the decisions that we make, to present data in new ways, to allow us to think about possibilities maybe the human brain didn't already think about. And, and that's where I believe a lot of us will, will head in over the next few years and, and where we'll start to um, really deliver the impact is enhancing the human decision, not uh, and just driving a decision independently. One of the things that, that we're also very focused on is responsible artificial intelligence. I think part of the resistance in adopting is the lack of transparency that these black box algorithms can present uh, to, mm-hmm. to we simple human beings that can only maybe manage two or three variables at a time. And so I think the more that we can expose um, our our people and the, and the constituents and the stakeholders to, to a decision that gets made via artificial intelligence and help us understand what that decision is, I think we'll see the adoption improve quite a bit. Thank you very much. Great kickoff to our predictions round. I have 60 seconds left uh, for each of you. Scott Feldman, you're up next. What would you like to tell us between now and, let's say, 2025? How deeply will companies, let, let's, you want to focus on enterprises, that's fine. Startups, that's fine. Wherever you want to look, uh, focus your lens on what will change dramatically about the concept of intelligent enterprise and or intelligent technologies together. I think for me it's pretty clear that, um, you know, the companies will become more intelligent by the fact that we have uh, fundamental technologies in place to allow that. So we have, we have global cloud solutions, hyperscalers, which are running uh, enterprise solutions in the cloud that you can, uh, you can adopt at any moment in time. The speed of devices is increasing with memory and, and chip technology. The intelligence that's being built around that is increasing. Uh, the ability to, to 
provide all of these th- things together. I talked about last time, I call it convergence, which is, you know, we mm-hmm. have the power of the compute, we have the power of the networks, we have the power of the device, and all of this is going to lead to adoption. And we've seen a fundamental shift in, in that over the past 10 years, where adoption is being done first at the consumer level, and the consumer experience is being brought into the enterprise, saying that, why do I have better devices at home than I did at work? Right. So when did that when did that shift happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was sometime not that long ago where I remember when some of us we won't give our ages, but I remember you know, a number of years ago where the devices in the workplace were far superior than what you could get in your home home office, right? Yeah. Now it's the reverse is kinda of true. So it's gonna take some time though. I agree with my panelists that it's not gonna happen overnight. It will slowly adopt, but the speed of adoption is increasing. And if organizations can, can Give it a chance and, you know, set up a room, put the right individuals in the room, the leaders of business and IT, do intelligent workshops and design thinking, bring ecosystem partners into play, look at all the stakeholders and decide where do you want to go and how do you want to get there, then I think the, uh, the adoption will increase at the, at the rates that I think we're talking about. Thank you very much. Amy Sohal, I saved 60 seconds for you. That's about it. Go ahead. What is your prediction, please? Yeah, you know, nowadays it's um, it's not the traditional models that we see within businesses or, you you know, obviously have a leader, CEOs, um, and all, obviously those that follow within those teams. It'll be um, electing individuals or empowering individuals um, who will be skills uh, experts within their area that can really be able to take in and digest the data. Um, because let's be honest, that there is a lot of data out there. And companies are really starting to understand um, how this data is applicable to them and how they can utilize it to grow and evolve uh, to obviously be relevant out there. And, you know, gone are the days of taking a, a traditional person, uh, one or two, or a leadership team uh, that will be responsible for looking at absorbing that data and finding the best way to move forward with how we can actually um, make ourselves better and make ourselves more intelligent. So empowering more individuals within those organizations and then also being nimble at the same time. You know, we often wait till quarterly releases uh, or annual reports before we understand how a company is moving and, and obviously what's important to them. Now it's almost as if we have to be somewhat reactionary. There's environmental factors to take into consideration. There's market conditions um, that are out of control. There's government influences that happen. And it's so crucial for businesses to be on board and understand, well, how are we going to react, but ultimately not change the overall direction that we're going towards. And then having individuals that are able to work at that very fast pace, translate the data that's coming through, make certain that it's relevant to what it is that they're doing, that's going to be very important. And, and we see it in sports today. You know, gone are the days are... You know, we follow the traditional, um, I guess, path of how we operate as an organization. And everyone heard of that book, Moneyball, and um, mm-hmm. is familiar with what's happening in baseball, which is now applying to, to ice hockey and, and basketball as well, too, where, you know, uh, teams are being formed with individuals that will play a certain part um, and obviously produce a certain amount of value within a certain scope. Thank you, Shammy. We are literally out of time. Thank you for your great insights. I want to thank my three special panelists. It's been great getting together again with Chris Beiswinger at PwC, Scott Feldman, the new community builder and tech evangelist, and Shammy Sohal, our newcomer from SAP. Shout out to Brad Borkin at SAP for putting together this original part one panel and, and helping to bring Shammy to our attention. For today, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern right here on the Business Channel. Today is, what is it, Wednesday? 
Wednesday, uh, the 24th of April. My, where is the year going? Our show today will be Internet of Things with Game Changers. 2 p.m. We'll be talking about spatial intelligence, GIS. You don't know what that means? Listen up. We'll tell you. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Chris Beiswanger at PwC, just like Scott Feldman, our community builder, and just like Shami Sohal at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 